Hello and welcome to the brand new Cruise Cares podcast. This is the first episode of our six-part series about bereavement to mark Cruise Bereavement Care's 60th anniversary. I'm Jessica Mitchell. I'm the managing editor for the Bereavement Care Journal and a counsellor specialising in bereavement. In this series, we'll be talking to people who've experienced a bereavement and asking them about their own personal grief journey. We hope to show the different ways people grieve and to show that if you're grieving, you're not alone. And maybe you'll also feel a bit inspired and hear some useful advice along the way too. If you need emotional support following a bereavement, you can visit our website, www.cruise.org.uk. Cruise is spelled C-R-U-S-E. That has lots of helpful information and advice on the website. Feel free to follow our social media accounts for regular updates on our work and to interact with other people who are grieving. Our handles on Twitter and Instagram are at Cruise Care, and you can find us on Facebook under Cruise Bereavement Care. And now on to today's guest. We're joined by freelance writer Florence Wilkinson. Hi, Florence. Hi there. Hi. Thank you so much for coming in today to talk to us. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask you, Florence, about your mother, Sarah. Sarah. Sarah, okay. Um, so, Florence, I wanted to ask you about your mother, Sarah. Um, she died when you were 24 and you're 31 now, so about seven years ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Do you mind just telling us a bit about um, your mum? Sure, yeah. Um, my mum and I had a really close relationship, so I'm an only child, um, and I spent kind of a lot of my time with her growing up. Um, and yeah, very fond memories actually. I think I'm very fortunate in that um, I sort of grew up feeling confident in the knowledge that I was completely and absolutely loved by my parents and obviously my mum was a big part of that. Um, and I think one of the other things I really gained from her was that my mother was um, absolutely and resolutely herself always um, and that's definitely a lesson that I took from her too um, so yeah um, what else do you want to know do you want to know a bit about kind of who she was and what she did or yeah that would be great if you did I wonder yeah. first you'd be willing to tell us just a bit about um, how it was that your mum actually died was she mm-hmm. ill yeah so um, my mum had a terminal condition um which is actually quite rare um so she was uh she'd been managing that condition for a few years um kind of on an unlicensed drug trial um and basically it got to the point where she was aware that if she kind of carried on as she was um she would eventually die and potentially not in a very nice way because she had um, a heart lung condition um there was the option of her trying an operation um which came with risks um and we were all aware of the risks um although because it's quite a rare condition quite a rare procedure is is kind of hard to it was hard to say how big those risks might be um but we were told that if successful the operation would either make her her quality of life a bit better um, or a lot better and potentially extend her life a large amount Um, so it was 
quite tricky because I guess we went into the the uh, the decision and she made the decision to have the operation which I think was a brave decision um, I probably still think it was the right decision um, but obviously we went into that with hope um, and she went into hospital she made it through the operation um, but then she was in for hospital for a couple of months after that um, and yeah in in the end she didn't make it so it was it was quite difficult circumstances because although I say she was terminally ill we kind of hoped that the operation might be her ticket out of that and you know to a to a better life so um yeah it was challenging yeah I'm really so sorry to hear that Florence and and thank you um, for being so open about it she and she was obviously I mean if you were only 24 when she died then Mm. she was a young woman herself yeah she was 57 and um and I think one of the things that everyone would say about my mum was that she loved life um and she was someone who kind of loved different experiences and um although she was only 57 when she died um she did an extraordinary amount of different things during that time so she trained as a nurse she did an english degree she trained as a teacher a cabinet maker she learned to make jewelry uh, she learned to carve in wood and stone and ultimately became a, a sculptor she wrote children's stories um so she she, she did a, a huge amount even though her life was cut short um and again that's sort of something that's always influenced me and my life choices I've always felt that I got the strength from her to kind of try different things and go out and get different experiences yeah she sounds really incredible I think it was very um it really struck me what you said actually that she was always herself and that that has given you really informed, actually, how you've lived. And that is an incredible privilege, isn't it, to really know mm. somebody like that? Mm. Um. Yeah, and I think I always felt that she knew me like that and she was my kind of um, constant advocate for whatever I was doing, which gave me strength. And obviously um, it was really difficult when I lost that, Um but in some ways, I still carry it with me because that's kind of shaped who I am today. And what was it like? I mean, you were an adult at 24, but still a very young adult. Mm. Um, and most of your contemporaries probably had not experienced such a loss. What, what was that like to have your mum die at such a young age? I think I think that was particularly challenging, actually, because so what? I was fortunate then and I am now in that I've, I think I've got quite a wide circle of um, very close friends. Um, I'm fortunate to know lots of wonderful people. Um, And so I've never felt lonely. And actually growing up as an only child, um, my mum was really conscious that I should be surrounded by friends all the time. So I had friends around all the time. We took my friends on holiday with us and that kind of thing. Um, so I think it was the first time in my life that I ever experienced kind of feeling lonely. Um, and I, it's a strange sort of loneliness because you have, you know, I still had all those people around me. It wasn't like I didn't have anyone to talk to or turn to, but I guess because none of them had had that experience, I was kind of isolated and alone in my experience. Um, and and that was the really tough part and I think also I probably didn't have the tools or really know how to ask my friends to support me either Um, so for them you know and and 
a lot of them really did want to support and do the right thing and they might not have known how and I didn't know how to ask um so I guess that was a particularly tricky thing too so you had that sense that sometimes people who are bereaved talk about about almost being in a kind of parallel dimension or in a, in a mm. bubble within their grief. Was that the kind of sense that you had at that point that isolated mm. you to some extent from other people? Absolutely. I mean, I remember sort of, I think it was maybe just a couple of days after my mum died, um, trying to go out with my then boyfriend and we went... I remember we went to the South Bank because I like the London Aquarium, so I thought it might be um, a good idea to go there. Um, and then I just realised I sort of couldn't go in and I had this strange feeling because I was sort of standing um, on the South Bank. It's obviously a busy area, lots of people, tourists, people going to work. And um, it was just a strange feeling. Um, how was their world just going on as normal when my world was caving in and it's it's yeah it's really odd I've sort of read people um I've read um bits and pieces that people have written about it subsequently um perhaps they can describe it more eloquently than I can but yeah it's it's this very odd kind of topsy-turvy upside down um you know you're there but you're not feeling um Mm. that feeling does pass um and you do kind of gradually uh feel like you're moving back into the same world as everyone else but um it can be really difficult at first um yeah I I always remember as well the train journey back from the hospital after my mum died with my dad and um we were both in a real state of shock as well um yeah it it it's very surreal it's it's hard to describe unless you've actually been there. I think that actually, Florence, the way you talked about that really certainly brings it to mind for me, that sense of standing in a, you know, the busy South Bank that we all know, watching people rushing by, you mm. know, while you're isolated in a very, very different space from all these holiday makers and just mm. people out having a good time. Yeah. And you said, I think, too, actually, you've talked about maybe this sense, I mean, at, at 24, right, people are leading a kind of carefree life. Um, and Or at least, you know, maybe we associate that with being young. Mm. And was there a sense of a loss of that being carefree at a kind of unexpectedly young age? Yeah. And it's interesting because the one thing that my mum was always most strong on was that she wanted me to be happy. And I think when I was young she did a lot to try and kind of make sure that I didn't have too much weight on my young shoulders as it were um and so I think and I think you know I probably before that was quite carefree not in a reckless sense I think um you know there's this idea sometimes that young people can be carefree in a reckless sense I don't think I was like that I don't think most young people actually are like that but yeah certainly it kind of all of a sudden your world is is flipped and you've got this kind of horrible new reality that you're living with. Um, and it does sort of tinge and impact kind of everything around you and sort of the way that you, you view the world. Um, and yeah, when you're young, I guess that has a particularly... Um, strong impact. Because also, I, I guess I didn't really have any... Um, proper experience of loss 
um, either. So, um, although unfortunately my grandmother died shortly before my mother, so kind of all hit at once. But I think, you know, by that point I was in such a, a blur that I didn't really process that. So, yeah. What was your initial response then in some ways in those first mm. days and weeks? How did you respond to your mother's death? So, I mean, kind of the initial feeling is really hard to describe because I feel like you're living moment to moment. And when I've subsequently talked to friends who've lost parents and and tried to give them some support, um, the key things that I always say kind of in the early days is just making sure that you do the absolute basics you know make sure that you try and get some sleep make sure that you eat um make sure that if you can you try and get outside and see some sunshine or go for a walk um because at that point i think that's the most that you can expect to do um and i think you know it hits people at different times and in different ways because it's it's too much of a thing to process all at once anyway so i think in those early days i yeah i was probably just in some kind of strange whirlwind um but one thing that i've talked about and written about is this sort of excess of energy that i had as a result um and not really knowing what to do with that and I think quite a few people have that experience so um for me I sort of started madly trying to gather up um any photographs we had of my mum and put them into a book um or pull together any kind of little video clips because I suddenly panicked that I'd forget what she sounded like or forget what she looked like um which now is kind of feels ridiculous because um I'm never going to forget what she looks like or sounds like or you know what it felt like to hug her or the texture of her hair or any of those sort of things um they stay with you forever but you know at the time um that was kind of what I was focused on I think there can be a little bit of a sort of (laughs) I mean my friend my a friend of mine and I have laughed about this subsequently you get this weird sort of hoarding mentality as well I think where Um, you sort of want to hoard up anything that you might have relating to that person and kind of keep it all obsessively and and some people talk about kind of going out on kind of shopping sprees as well and and sort of trying to to fill this hole that you can't quite process or understand with material things but I think there's definitely kind of that hoarding thing and um you know for for years even still now there's things that relate to my mum that I have that I won't throw away even though I can hear my mum like laughing in my head and saying how ridiculous it is um and yet I still can't bring myself to get rid of them um which is a strange thing or you know things that I I mean I have a lot of things relating to my mum because she was a sculptor so um I'm really fortunate to have kind of her sculptures around me and um, I'm wearing a necklace that she made today because I, you know, I've got her all her jewellery and that kind of thing. Um, so it kind of makes it all the more ludicrous that I can't throw away an old hairbrush that I know she bought um, years and years ago. Um, but yeah, it is, it is a strange reaction I think people have. Incidentally, I did bin the hairbrush eventually, but only when we moved house recently. So uh, I think my partner despairs a bit because 
um, I collect things and then I've got all these things from my mum so <laughs> he doesn't like clutter. <laughs> oh, okay but but actually you call it up really well all those maybe little objects that seem insignificant mm. in and of themselves but actually perhaps recall to you your mother I don't know the hairbrush brushing mm. her hair or something mm. important that bring back something much richer than just the object itself really. Mm. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. I think you also have said you reacted with quite a sort of this ferocious energy. I mean, you were, you know, mm. you are a journalist, but you were back at work within like a week, weren't you? Mm. And things and traveling. Yeah, so, um, well, I, I basically sort of threw myself into everything. I mean, I think it's really different for different people and it's so important to recognize that because... Um, so, so back then I was kind of working in marketing and communications, working for an agency, and um, I went back after a week, and I remember sort of some people being quite shocked about that, some people being very supportive, some not so much, um, or not really knowing how. Or, um, but, you know, f- for me, I felt like I was going to feel like absolute crap, whatever I was doing, um, and actually I wanted something to distract myself it was more painful for me the idea of kind of sitting at home um and being alone in my thoughts I didn't want that I'd rather try and do something I mean I was probably looking back pretty useless at work but I felt like at least I could get something done you know and then I went yeah I went away um to India with a friend for a couple of weeks I mean I think that's quite common um certainly amongst kind of my my friends now who've lost parents and kind of lost them in their 20s um a lot of people I think tend to go away for a bit um I think that helps different sites kind of different experiences um perhaps less triggering um than the things around you at home um but yeah I kind of got back into things quite quickly and I think looking back I don't think I would do any of that differently either I think it probably did help me and um I always say that the thing is whatever you can do to get through those initial few weeks and months and somehow keep going and gradually get to a point where you feel like your life has the value and and meaning that you need again um there's there's no right or wrong way really yeah, it's really good to hear that, actually, because in this work, it's one thing we're always keen to say that people think, oh, I'm not doing this right. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm not crying enough or I'm, I'm crying too much. And we're actually saying, no, however you're doing it and however you get through this is the right way. And I think, you know, you've seemed to have said that really clearly, actually, that you had to find your own way mm. of being OK. Yeah, um, exactly. I mean, the one trouble with that was that um, I think... Um, and I've written about this, but a lot of people as a result kind of said to me, oh, you're so strong. And I think a lot of people thought I was very strong. Um, and maybe strong is a word that I would use to describe myself. Um, <laughs> I can be, I guess, quite determined and forceful when I've got an idea in my head, that's for sure. Um, but just because somebody seems like they're getting on with things or they seem like they're coping well and 
um, doesn't mean that their pain isn't as acute. And I think for anyone supporting someone going through grief, it's quite important to be aware of that, that, you know, just because someone seems like um, they're, they're coping with it, um, and maybe they are, but that, that doesn't mean that they're not feeling as much pain as, uh, you know, some, someone else who seems to be kind of coping less well. Yeah. Have you found that that's changed in a sense over time? I mean, as you've moved on in these years since your mother's death, are there still, I guess, moments where it hits you as forcefully as ever? Mm. And, and then allied to that, times when you, you know, you feel very much better. Um, but that, that sense that actually you can be right back in those awful first days. Mm. Yeah, um, you know, I was talking to um, a good friend and colleague about this because he lost his father um, when he was very young. I think he was about 13 or something. He was a teenager anyway. Um, and now he's in his late 30s and, you know, he went away um, with his partner not so long ago um, and uh, I won't give the specifics but they, they went to a certain place that shouldn't really have um, any emotional attachment for them necessarily um, and then this friend of mine just started crying uncontrollably and his partner couldn't understand it um, uh, and uh, it's this interesting thing where you know so many years can pass but something can trigger you and when it does you're kind of right back there in in the moment um and yeah it it's a difficult one I think um I was on holiday in Cuba um a few years ago with my partner and you know quite a bit of time had elapsed um already since my mum had died um and then I just heard a piece of music playing and it just it set me off and you know I, I think for someone who's not been through it and who's kind of trying to support you like a partner or a friend it's that can be quite confusing um to understand and process but yeah sometimes it does it just it could be anything it could be a sound a sight a place a smell anything really but it can just set you off I think it's just about being aware that that might happen um and accepting that it's okay you know sometimes um your your grief kind of needs to come out in a more intense way and and that's all right as long as you know you're prepared that that might happen at, at some point I guess and then you know people around you need to be understanding about that have you found that um people in your family each of you grieve differently. Mm. I mean, your dad, your stepmom, yourself. There's an assumption, perhaps, that people might be similar, but actually mm. we talked about this, how people do grieve differently. And did you find that even within your family? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so um, my parents weren't together anymore, but remained close. Um, and then my mum's partner, um, I'm very close to her as well, uh, my stepmom. So... Um, she and I grieved quite differently and um yeah I was talking to her about that on the way here actually um about the different ways in which we grieved um so for example um she put a lot of pictures of my mum up around the house um to the point at which she kind of joked and said like oh I know it's embarrassing like the house seems like some kind of mausoleum and I know and she said, I know Sarah would have 
thought this was ridiculous and been very embarrassed by it. Um, and on the flip side, I, um, until very recently, didn't feel strong enough to have pictures of my mum up around me in my house because I found that too triggering. And so what I would do is sort of, on her birthday, I'd post a picture on social media um, and kind of write something about her and that's what I would do each year. Um, and I'd find that hard, but I felt like it was something that I needed to do. Also, because I wanted to remind other people of her and want other people to still be thinking of her. Um, but I didn't feel like I could have pictures of her up. Um, Cause if, you know, if I just sort of um, caught one of them out the corner of my eye, it might set me off. Um, I've got to a point now where I can have pictures of my mum up um, and actually so I mentioned that I moved house um, quite recently um, and I've just put up um, a few pictures of her in frames kind of amongst the other pictures as well of kind of my partner and um, his family and that kind of thing um, and meanwhile my stepmom has managed to take some of the pictures down so I think we've reached a kind of nice stage of um equilibrium between us now which is nice but I think and the main thing is that she and I always recognized that the way in which we we were grieving and grieved um would be different but that we would always have each other and support each other and that's been a really really good thing for me I think you know the last thing that you want is to kind of shut people out um at that kind of time um and you all have to be understanding and and likewise I hope that I've been able to be understanding about my friends as well you know some of them were brilliant some probably weren't as good um but that doesn't mean that they're bad people you know you you have to be understanding and it it's difficult not to expect too much of people um particularly when you're going through something terrible but I think you know in the long run it's you who will suffer as well if you expect too much from others you have to understand that everyone's human and this is something that we're all trying to learn how to process and deal with gosh I think that is just so lovely to hear Florence about that because I, I come across so many people who put the bereaved person puts pre pressure on themselves to get it right and then friends and family the same mm. thing feeling like they're getting it wrong and then mm. people can wind up shutting down to one another rather than reaching out mm. at that incredibly difficult time it's just really nice to hear you mm. recognizing that and accepting that people don't always get it right in that incredibly pressured time yeah yeah I mean and I've got some friends who have sort of lost friends over this and sort of said that you find out who your real friends are when you go through something like this and I mean don't get me wrong like that is certainly true to a certain extent too and if you have um people who call themselves your friends and are completely rubbish and um you, you know just sort of abandon you or shut you down or anything like that then feel free to bin them as far as I'm concerned <laughs> but um on the other hand like I say you do yeah you do have to be understanding about other people because if someone's not been through this experience they don't know what it feels like um and I think you know one of the bigger things as well is that I found different friends have helped me in different ways. So some friends were particularly good kind of immediately afterwards. Um, and whereas others didn't really know what to do at that point. Um, some people kind of 
forget to keep asking others remember kind of every single year or at different points to ask or you know some people who might not have been there as much um kind of in the immediate term but I've stayed friends with them and as they've grown older and kind of we've matured together they've been a great comfort to me um years later so I think you know different people will probably help in different ways I think one of the things that that really gets me is kind of a couple of my close friends so um one of my close friends I sort of found out a few years later that she had been um giving um a donation monthly to the hospital that looked after my mum um and and that meant so much to me kind of the fact that she hadn't even told me that she was doing it as well kind of made it all the more powerful because um, it felt like she was doing it for my mum as well. And another friend had a baby with um, a few years ago and his birthday is the same as my mum's. Um, and they give a donation from him um, in memory of my mum on his birthday, which is really lovely as well. So that kind of thing is really, really touching. Like I say, I'm lucky. I've got some wonderful people in my life. Oh, I'm glad. I mean, in in a way, those things also sound like about how how others might be keeping a connection with your your mother and mm. keeping her alive and and her spirit in their minds too. And is that something? I mean, how how have you, in mm. a sense, kept included your mother in your life? Because actually, I mean, I guess I'm you know I'm thinking when your mum dies so young mm. too is actually you you lose the future. Yeah. with her as well and and that many expected big events you won't get to share with her so how mm. have you been able to keep her alive in your life mm. and and that's that's an interesting one and a tricky one because again I've spoken to friends who've had this uh, similar experience of losing parents and um, one of the things that might seem strange to someone who hasn't been through it is that actually in some ways it can get sadder over time because the time since you last saw them has has um got longer and um you know it is a, a difficult feeling feeling that you are kind of growing into a person and learning things and doing things and not being able to talk talk to someone who you're so close to about it um you know quite often um my stepmom or my dad um, will say like I wish that I could talk to Sarah about this um, or my uncle as well um, and so yeah that and that's a difficult thing knowing that she won't know kind of who I am now and you know all these little things as well and, and big things kind of small decisions that I might make and huge world events and I want to know what she thinks about them um and so that is a really really tricky thing um and I think those little things for me are actually kind of harder to deal with or perhaps more upsetting than the big life events so um you know a lot of people talk about not being able to have their parent there at a wedding or that kind of thing um that wasn't not her having my mum there I mean perhaps it says says something about my uh views on matrimony (laughs) but um not having my mum there at my wedding to me is not somehow as upsetting as not being able to talk to her about the little things and and the things yeah the things that are going on in my life in the world but how do I keep her alive um I I almost don't feel like I have to because 
she is such a big part of who I am um, and I guess that makes it a bit harder for me to answer the question but because our relationship was so close and because you know even when now as I get older I can look in the mirror and I think oh my god <laughs> I look like her um, <laughs> I must be getting older um, and sometimes I hear her when I laugh as well I sort of catch catch myself sounding like her as well I think um and my stepmom's always said that she's always said like she is kind of a big part of you so she's yeah she's always always there I kind of don't even have to do anything in that sense because I think she is such a big part of me um but yeah I've I've got her things around me as well which which helps and do you find days I mean we're doing this talk right around Mother's Day mm. um, and I know you know she died in March and that's when we're recording this mm. do you find anniversaries and things like Mother's Day particularly difficult mm. or um so I find her I find them all difficult her birthday I don't I try to sort of celebrate more um, and that's more the time where I like to think about her and I can think nice things about her, I think. Um, I try not to think too much about the anniversary of her death just because for me it's not really a day I particularly like to mark. But it's this strange thing where kind of in the run-up to that anniversary, um, before I even realise that it's coming, I start having weird or not very nice dreams quite often. Um, and I sort of dream that, is she alive or is she dead or is she going to make it? And I think it's sort of reliving that experience we had when she was in hospital where we hoped, she, we kept on hoping that she was going to pull through and then she didn't. Um so so it definitely impacts me even if it's sort of beneath the surface and not something I'm kind of outwardly conscious about um Mother's Day I don't think it would have that big of an impact except that now um I guess because of the materialistic society we live in my inbox is always flooded with don't forget mom buy flowers for mom etc and um yeah I I find that really irritating um but I think um Perhaps it's also to do with kind of the the uh, value that you place on anniversaries and that kind of thing um, just in your day-to-day -day life. So, um, you know, my, my parents never thought that Mother's and Father's Day were a big deal. And so because it wasn't, although I'd obviously always do a card and that kind of thing, because it wasn't a big part of our relationship, I guess it's it's not not as tricky for me now, if that makes any sense. It really does, yeah. And um, do you find, Florence, um, I wanted to ask you, have there been unexpected aspects to this whole journey? Um, mm. I know that you were talking earlier about finding sometimes humour in mm. there so that your mother might, you know, be making jokes and mm. saying, oh my God, what are you all doing? And, and so have there been unexpected aspects to all of this for you? Yeah, I mean, and... My mum was always the centre of the party and always, um, always kind of uh, making jokes and making people laugh and entertaining people. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I guess there's that. There's, there's all kinds of things that happen to you when you're grieving that you can't anticipate either. Um, I think it's probably made me more ambitious, which is 
I mean, I know that a lot of people want to channel their grief into a positive, so they'll go and kind of support a charity or even set up a charity or that kind of thing. Um, I think for me, because there's this strange feeling that something was missing, even when it's not kind of in the forefront of your mind, it means that I was probably for a long time always seeking and... um, Mind you, I've probably always been quite ambitious anyway, I think my mum would say so. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, and, and I guess, no, I mean, really, the whole thing is going to surprise you at different points because you just don't know how you're going to feel or react until you're put into this situation. It's kind of mad, really, because obviously death is such a huge part of all of our lives, but... And, and always will be, and it's always going to impact everyone. I mean, we're all going to die, but um, but it's a strange thing where I guess we don't really talk about it a lot in our society. Um, and yeah, because it's such an individual experience, um, I think there's always going to be kind of twists and turns and things that you can't expect or plan for. Um, some people sort of talk about it making them stronger, that kind that kind of ethos. I, I I don't know if I particularly subscribe to that because I just kind of think, well, I'd rather just have my mum back. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's a very um, helpful answer. <laughs> it's absolutely. No, it really is. Um, there's so many different aspects to being bereaved isn't there mm. and and it it's a it's something that we carry with us our whole lives isn't it, it mm. it's not something that's over immediately and your mother lives on with mm. you is there anything you'd like to say to people who actually are out there right now listening yeah. and are going through this yeah absolutely I think um I remember feeling kind of in the immediate days after losing my mum, like, how am I ever going to learn to live with this? Like, how am I ever going to carry on? How am I going to be able to breathe and eat and, you know, exist? And, and you know, beyond that, kind of ever enjoy existing and find joy in life again. Um, and at the same time knowing that obviously that's what my mom would want more than anything for me. Um, so for anyone listening to this, um, I just want you to know that you you will learn to live with it. Um, grief is not something that you ever get over um, or anything that goes away and neither should it be because, um, you know, you if you could get over it then um, that person didn't mean as much to you as as they should do so it's not something that you'll you'll ever get over but you will learn to live with it and you will find ways through um and life is always worth living and you know there are so many things that you can do to enjoy your life and to help other people enjoy theirs it takes time but you'll learn to live with it thank you so very much Florence Really, it means so much to us that you've come in to share this. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us, Florence. I know our listeners will find what you've said inspiring. You've been listening to the Cruise Care Podcast. Many thanks for joining us. If you'd like further information about Cruise Bereavement Care services, including our National Bereavement Support Helpline, 
please visit our website at www.cruise.org.uk.